Hello everyone, welcome to Hometown Horrors. I'm your creator and host, Leanne. This is part two um, to the Tamala Horsford Mysterious Death. Um, part one was released, I believe, on Monday. Um, you, if you haven't listened to it, you might want to go ahead and go back and, and listen to it. You can kind of get familiar with the background um, and the people involved. And that that's it. Um, I'm going to go ahead and jump right in. So, um... We were talking about at the end of episode one that Jean, this is what she said to the TBI agents the next morning. Jean said she had cameras at the house and that the batteries were rechargeable, but the batteries were dead because Madeline, which is her mom's best friend, and they call her Aunt Modie, had misplaced the charger while cleaning while cleaning a few months earlier. Jean said she was the only one who had access to the cameras. Jose knew the charger was missing and the cameras were not charged. During the investigation, Jean was asked about the Xanax and Tamala system that showed up during autopsy. Um, we know that Tamala did not have a prescription and it is said she had never been known to take Xanax. Jean said she had no idea if Tamala took it or got it from someone. She mentioned that Bridget, another mom at the party, took Xanax and kept it in a necklace that she wore around her neck. Jean said that Bridget had at one time gave her Klonopin after the case closed due to all the stress involved with the case. Klonopin's um, another drug that is kind of like Xanax. It calms you down. Um, the agent interviewing Jean said that Bridget had told them that she had also given Jean something when she was going through a divorce. Jean said again that she did not witness Tamala getting Xanax from Bridget. Then Jean suddenly remembered that she did get something from Bridget during her divorce, but she didn't know what it was. Which strikes me a little odd. I don't think I would take some, even no matter how close I was to somebody, I wouldn't take something that I didn't know what it was. At the end of the interview, Jean said that her mother had paid for Tamala's funeral and plane tickets for her family. When the agent asked why her mom did that, uh, Jean just said that she was trying to be nice and helpful. Um, so the next interview that was done is with Stacy Smith. That's also done by the GBI. Um, Stacy said that several of the moms had gone to the Atlanta Falcons stadium to play football with some of the players. Tamala wasn't there this time. I, I mentioned this because this just goes to show the level of wealth and connections that they have. Um, you know, just not, nobody can just walk up and ask to play football with the Atlanta, you know, with a pro football team. Um, and it, it, they have to know somebody, um, or maybe they want it in an auction or something like that. That wasn't mentioned, but I do feel like this just goes to show the amount of wealth that these people had. Just being a small town, everyone knew everybody, so they probably had some connections also, while they were hanging out with the Falcon football players, 
Stacy had decided that she was going to throw Jean a birthday party. Stacy stated that she had known Tamla for about five or six years. Um, Tamla had volunteered at the elementary school that Stacy's daughter attended. Tamla had helped Stacy's daughter um, when she was being bullied. Stacy described Tamla as fun, loving, and incredible. Stacy recalled the first time she hung out with uh, Tamla was at a youth football game where their kids were playing. Stacy said that Tamla and her husband Leander um, were going through some stuff, and after one of the games, they were going to go pick up some wine, and then they were going to go have dinner with Stacy and her husband Tom. Stacy said that Tamla got into an argument with Leander and had him get out on the side of the highway. Um, there was a crew working on the road and Leander knew one of the workers, so he got a, a ride back home with him. That's all Stacy said about that. She didn't say what they were fighting about, if this was common for Tamla to make him get out of the car or, or what. Um, Tamla went on to the restaurant. After they ate, they left and went back to Stacy's house. Um, Tamla was talking about her past and that she was wanting to become a better person. They had several glasses of wine and Tamla drove home. There was a Halloween party at Sarah Dinsmore's house the weekend before Jean's birthday party. Tamla and her entire family attended. Everyone carved pumpkins and they went trick-or-treating. Um, Stacy had sent out uh, evots to Jean's birthday party, just, you know, email invitations. On the night of Jean's party, Stacy's husband, Tom, went to the party with her because Stacy's sister had some college friends and they were staying at their house. So Tom stayed in the basement with Jose. Stacy said no one wanted to drink the tequila that Tamala brought because it was from Mexico and it was very, very strong. Stacy said that Sarah and Nicole left early. She said that several women went in and out to the balcony throughout the night. Maybe just to get some fresh air. Um, you know, just look at the stars, whatever. You know, maybe they were just walking around trying to get some exercise. Um, stuff like that. She, Stacy's husband, Tom, did try to change out the propane tank on the fire pit, but no one was able to get that. You'll hear about the fire pit a couple of times. There were several people that tried to change that out, the propane tanks out, and nobody could really get it. Um, Stacy also stated that she took one hit off of Tamala's joint. Then Jean came out yelling about Jose losing his job if he was around that. If you listen to episode one, you know that Jose was a pre-trial law, uh, shoot, pre-trial officer, and he worked for the sheriff's office. When asked about the Xanax, Stacy mentioned Bridget and the necklace that she wears that contains her pills. 
Stacy said that Bridget was not very sociable and she did not know Tamala very well and would have never given Tamala any of her medication. When asked, Stacy said that she had been given Xanax by Bridget after her goddaughter had died. Then she said she didn't get anything from Bridget after Tamala died. Then she said maybe she did. Maybe they just chalked that up to her not being able to remember because of the trauma. But a lot of these women, um, when you, if you go to YouTube and listen to their interviews with the GBI, they go back and forth a lot. Tamala had tried to get Stacy to stay up with her. Stacy kept telling her that she was going to go upstairs with Tom. They were going to go to sleep. But her and Tamala could leave their phones together side by side. I don't get that for several reasons. I mean, it seems kind of a, an odd thing to do, kind of like a teenager, you know, we'll leave our, our phones side by side. Um, plus, Tamala has a stepdaughter who was pregnant, and then she has her husband and four boys at home. Um, I don't see her just leaving her phone. I think she would have it with her all time. I'm a mom. I have two kids. I am never without my phone in case they need me. Stacy said that she is usually a very light sleeper, but once she and Tom were asleep, neither one of them got up all night long. The only people up were Tamala and Bridget. So Stacy admits to being a light sleeper all the time. I am also a light sleeper. Um, I hear everything. I kind of think it just comes with the territory of having kids. You know, your your brain automatically just doesn't shut down completely. So you can make sure you hear everything um, if they need you or anything like that. Um, I don't think I fully get into a deep sleep. So I, again, I'm also a light sleeper. And if I'm staying at somebody's house, I'm really a light sleeper. Um, just because it's not the comfort level of being in your own bed. So it, it's kind of hard for me to believe, this is my opinion only, but it's kind of hard for me to believe that neither one of them heard anything. Um, Tom could be a deep sleeper, like my husband. I mean, a train could come through and he would never hear it. Um, but Stacy, admitting that she was a, a light sleeper, I would think she would have heard if something happened. Tamala said because everybody was going to bed that she was going to go home. Tom insisted that Tamala could not drive after drinking so much. Tamala did not appear sick. She was not staggering around. She was not slurring her words. Um, Tamala then told Stacy that she was just going to go smoke one last cigarette and then go on to bed. The next interview is with Thomas Smith. That's Stacy's husband. He said that he knew Tamala from their kids playing sports together. He said that they hung out with Tamala and her family at Sarah's Halloween party. Tom told the investigators that Tamala was friendly and nice to everyone. Tom stated on the night of Jean's party that he and Stacy arrived separately. Remember that. He and Stacy arrived separately in their own cars. He arrived around 8 or 8.30. It was normal for Tom to hang out with Jose, 
Tom said that they hung out in the basement and they watched football and drank. Tom said that he had been dry, uh, drinking Crown and Coke. He didn't have much. He did not feel intoxicated. He said Jose did not appear to be drunk. They went upstairs for cake and singing. Then they went back to the basement to finish watching the football game. Tom said he did go out on the balcony a few times and he had tried to change out the propane tanks. Tamala was smoking cigarettes and he said Marcy may have been smoking, may have been smoking also. Tom mentioned that Jean, I'm sorry, Tom mentioned that Jen seemed very intoxicated. She was stumbling around, slurring her speech. Um, Tamala did not seem drunk. Tom described her as acting super friendly. Tom confirmed that Tamala was drinking the tequila that she brought. Tom said he and Stacy went to bed around 1.15 or 1.30. He stated that Jean and Jose, Jen, Marcy, Bridget, Paula, and Tamala all mentioned they were going to bed soon. Jean and Jose headed to bed around the same time as Tom and Stacy. Tamala wanted Stacy to stay downstairs with her, but Tom was pulling Stacy upstairs. Tom said he got up around 6.45 a.m. the next morning, and Stacy got up around 7 a.m. At around 8 a.m., Tom and Stacy got up to leave and saw Tamala's boots and her phone. No one else was up. And they left through the front door or the garage door. Tom couldn't remember which door that they went out of. Tom again described Tamala as open, social, and fun. And said she had, she also had a different group of friends besides them. Tom said he did not know anything about anyone taking any Xanax or giving it to others. And Tom stated that he took videos of the party on Paula's phone, that he didn't have any pictures or videos or anything like that on his phone. They were on Paula's. So we're going to go with a interview with the GBI of one of Jean's neighbors named Blake. Jean's neighbor said that they had got up early to go to breakfast and he noticed a man and a woman carrying a crock pot out, and they got into a white Audi, Audi, however you pronounce that. Um, I think everybody has their own way. Stacy had a white Audi at the time. During Tom's interview, you remember, he said that he and Stacy drove to Jean separately. So, did he leave his car at Jean's? To be picked up later also if that was the case when did he go pick it up um it's just odd you know they got there in separate cars but left in stacy's a few days after tamala's death the neighbor said jean came over and told them she owed them an apology and this was her explanation she said it was a big football weekend on her birthday. They had a party, they had some wine, and they played Cards Against Humanity. She then went on to say that a female neighbor was saying someone fell off a balcony, 
and Jean reassured the neighbor that was not true. She said all she knew was the woman went out to smoke and all the security videos showed she fell and didn't try to catch herself. Okay, I'm going to read that again. She said all she knew was that the woman went out to smoke and all the security videos showed she fell and didn't try to catch herself. These were the same videos that apparently didn't exist because the batteries were not charged. The neighbor also told the GBI agent no one had came over to question him until then. The sheriff's department didn't bother to go next door and question anybody. GBI was the one that took the lead and questioned the neighbor. The next interview is with Marcy Harden. Um, the first thing you notice when you listen to Marcy's interview, like I said, they're all on YouTube if you want to go listen to them. Um, first thing you notice is she is very, very defensive right off the bat. Um, she has a tone. You can tell she's not wanting to do this. And she's just got her guard up. She, she doesn't want to talk about it. She said that she didn't know Tamela and had only met her and most of the other moms the night of the party. She also said that she had only recently met Jean Marcy. I'm sorry, only met Jean. Then Marcy said she arrived at Jean's around 8 p.m. She had three drinks made with blueberry vodka. And Marcy said she hung out with Jean most of the night because that's the one that, that's the person that she knew the most. She said that Tamala went outside several times to smoke. Marcy also said Tamala was drinking the tequila that she had brought. Marcy described Tamala as bubbly and having fun. She stated she didn't notice what Tamala was doing that night. She really didn't pay a lot of attention to her. Um... Marcy told the investigator, quote, honestly, I wasn't paying attention to her, end quote. Marcy said she got up around 5 a.m. to go to work and noticed the lights and TV were on. She claims that she didn't touch anything. She said she shared a room with Jen, who got up when Marcy left the next morning. Marcy stated that Tamala had made a statement the night of the party about marijuana and Jose said, quote, don't bring that shit around here, end quote. When the GBI agent told Marcy she had some hard questions for her, they did this with everyone. Uh, before they asked some questions, they would say, we have some hard questions to ask you, but we have to, to know the answers. Um, but as soon as they told her that, she started going, why? Why do you have to ask these questions? And then she had the audacity to say, quote, I know she fell, but it's been traumatic for all of us, end quote. Marcy said she didn't know these women and she regret regrets going to the party at all. When Marcy was asked to turn over her cell phone, she said she didn't have the same phone anymore, which is possible because these interviews took place quite a while after Tamla's death. Um, you know, that, that's possible. People switch phones all the time. Um, 
she said she didn't have the same phone. She then she said her phone was broken. Then she said they had switched providers. And she told the GBI the only picture that she took that night was the group picture that is posted everywhere. The one that, you know, as soon as you hop in Tamala's name, it's a group picture that, that pops up with all of them together. Um, she said that was the only picture that she took that night. Marcy said that Jen had been the one who called her and told her to get back to Jean's house um, because Tamala was dead in the backyard. And that was all she had to say to GBI. So I'm going to stop that right there. And then it'll pick back up in episode three. And uh, y'all take care and I will talk to you soon. Hello everyone, welcome to Hometown Horrors. I'm your host and the creator, Leanne. Um, we are on part three of the Tamala Horsford case. Um, so we're just going to jump back in. We ended with Marcy's interview where she was all hostile and had her guard up and everything. And now we're going to um, talk about what Paula Seals had to say to the GBI. Uh, first off, Paula kept asking the agent that was interviewing her if this was on the record and if it would be viewable or heard by the public. She also mentioned during her interview that some of the women were getting attorneys. Paula said she arrived at the party around 9.30 or 10. During the entire interview, Paula was laughing and joking around with the agent. I understand the agents have, you know, each person has their own tactic about how they interview people. Um, some try to keep it light and keep everybody at ease. And I think that's what this agent was doing. Um, but the way Paula was laughing and, and joking and everything, it just seemed, seemed odd to me. Um, this was the first time she had met Marcy and Tamala. Paula said that they played Cards Against Humanity around 1230 Nicole and Sarah left after they sang happy birthday, uh, but before they started playing cards. Paula said she remembers Tamala uh, FaceTiming her pregnant daughter. Paula said she went to bed around 1.15. Everyone was still up when she went to bed. John and Jose came in to say goodnight about 20 minutes later. Paula got up around 7.45 or 8 the next morning and left out the front door. She does not recall if the front door was locked or not. She said that Tamala had a blue tequila bottle and that she smelled it but did not drink any of it. Paula said that Tamala seemed happy. She was not stumbling around. She didn't appear drunk. She wasn't slurring her speech or anything like that, but what everybody else has said. Paula stated she never went outside. She never saw Tamala smoke. She took pictures with Stacy and Tom, but did not take any with her phone. She does have the same phone that she had then and had sent videos from that night to Forsyth County. 
Um, she said she had one Snapchat video with Tamil, Tamala laughing in the background that she had saved. Then she mentions that she's a bonding agent with Forsyth County. When the agent asks for her phone, Paula keeps asking questions, uh, making excuses as to why she cannot be without her phone. Then she starts to cry um, after being asked not to erase anything on her phone because the text will be able to tell that she had done that. While she's crying, she asks if she needs an attorney and tells them she can't afford one. The agent told her that they couldn't give her legal advice. He did tell Paula that if he needed to, he could get a warrant for her phone. Paula mentioned that after she calmed down a little bit, she mentioned that Jean's mom had bought food and that they all went over to deliver the food to Tamala's family. Paula and Bridget stood outside and never went inside the house. She also mentioned that Jean's mom bought plane tickets for Tamala's family. That's about all she had to say. Um, Jennifer, or Jen, is the next one. She's something else. Um, if you Google her name, you'll see her related to this case and to um, at least one DUI of her own. I think there's more. I'm not sure. Um, so the GBI agents knock on Jean or on Jen's door and there are dogs that are barking loudly, which I get that. I have a dog and he barks every time he hears a car or somebody knocks. Um, he's a big chicken, but he is very loud and he wants you to think he's tough and he's not, um, but she tells the agents that she's already given a statement and, and get this, quote, that statement is going to ride for me, end quote. And she says it's so snarky. Um, she asks if Mike Carino is on the list. Jen mentions that she's hired an attorney. She tells the agents that she lost her position as a cheer coach because of all this drama. So that's about all Jen had to say. Um, she hired a lawyer and she blames, you know, a poor, sweet, wonderful, dead mother for the fact that she's not a cheer coach anymore. Um, the next interview is Marianne. Marianne told the agents that the pe Marianne is... <laughs> probably should explain who she is. She's another one of Jean's neighbors. Um, she told the agents that the people who lived at Jean's house were, quote, shady. Um, she firmly believes that Tamala was pushed. She called Jean the neighborhood gossip and stated that she thought Jose was really weird. Um, Marianne's kind of comical. She makes me think of like the busybody in the neighborhood. She, she knows everything that's going around, going on and everything. Um, Marianne said she had a gut feeling that something had happened. At the beginning of the interview, Marianne said that Jose had made a play for Tamala. 
So I'm just going to go and say there is no evidence whatsoever to support this. Um, and she never says why she believes that. If she heard it, if she's seen it, whatever the reason may be. So who knows? This, at this point, it's probably just a rumor or a vibe that she got. Um, Marianne also stated that people from the party kept coming back weeks after after Tamala's death, which isn't really surprising since they all were friends and spent time together before Tamala's death, but the, they had increased their visitation and stuff like that. That could be a little bit of a red flag that maybe they were trying to get their story straight and everything. I don't know. That's speculation on my part. So the next interview is with Bridget and Bridget is a wild ride, let me just tell you. Um, yeah, I'll get into it because I don't know how else to explain it, but she is, she's something. Um, the first thing you noticed about Bridget is that she is really keyed up in this interview. She is loud and she's talking really fast. Um, Bridget makes it known several times that she's a very anxious person. She does not like social situations. She does not like being around people, especially people she doesn't know. Bridget said she met Tamala for the first time at the Halloween party, um, the weekend before Jean's party. She said she witnessed Tamala drinking that night and she seemed fine. This was the night of the Halloween party. Bridget went on to talk about the tequila that Tamala had brought to Jean's party and described it as being disgusting. Bridget kind of goes back and forth, so I'll try to help you stay on track. Bridget said she got to the party around 7.30 after she had stopped to pick up some blueberry vodka. Her husband Gary stayed for a few minutes but wanted to, quote, get the hell out of Dodge, end quote. She mentioned Jose and Tom went downstairs. Bridget described the party as a bunch of girls acting, and I'm not going to use the word that she used. Um, it begins with an R, and it's a very disgusting, horrible word that I will not repeat. Um, you can listen to her say it in the interview if you're curious, but I will not repeat it. Um, she said that Tamala was the last one to arrive. She doesn't think her husband Gary saw Tamala while he was there. Bridget said, Bridget said, unfortunately, Jen was there. And it, she said it just like that. Um, so you can, there's, you can tell there's no love loss between Bridget and Jen. Um, she described Jen as obnoxious and even more so when Jen was drunk. But she said she was also obnoxious when she was sober. Um, Bridget said she did not know Sarah or Marcy. And she stated that Nicole and Sarah had left early. Bridget said that Tamala was taking shots out of the tequila bottle and then switched to a cup, which Bridget said Tamala almost knocked over and Bridget caught it. Bridget decided that she wanted to leave, so she called her husband Gary, who responded so nicely with, quote, Are you fucking kidding me? You said you were going to stay end quote. So why did she all of a sudden want to leave if she had plans to stay? 
Um, and why was that his reaction? That's just rude. Maybe he's just like that, but that was uncalled for. Um, did she see what happened to Tamala? Did, was she a part of it? Did, did she give her medicine to Tamala, the Xanax? I, I don't know. These are all questions that keep coming up in my brain. Bridget mentioned twice that she likes to clean and she had been cleaning up. She mentioned that she fixed Tamala a bowl of gumbo. She also said that she would not leave Tamala alone if she was really drunk. She was trying to sound very motherly um, right then. And she was saying she would have took care of Tamala and she would have never left her alone if she had been super drunk. So Gary shows up and picks Bridget up. He did not come inside. He was, he said, because he was wearing pajamas. Bridget told Tamala that she was leaving and to lock the door behind her. And Tamala told her that she was going outside to smoke. It was 1.45 a.m. when Bridget was picked up. She said she was home and asleep by 2 a.m. That's, that's pretty impressive. That's just 15 minutes. Um, I, <laughs> it takes me too long to, to shut my brain down to go to sleep in 15 minutes, but good on her if she can do that. Um, during the interview, Bridget stated, or I'm sorry, she started to say that she left because she was uncomfortable, but she stopped before she completed the statement. And you can tell because she said, I left because I was, un and then she stops. So, whether she was going to say she, you know, her anxiety was acting up and she was uncomfortable, somebody made her uncomfortable, something happened that made her uncomfortable, we, we don't know. She never did finish that. Bridget said that Paula is Jean's best friend. And then Bridget told investigators that she smelled the tequila but did not drink any of it. She said that Tamala was touching her and hugging her, but it was fine, and she would have said something if it had bothered her. She said she went out on the balcony to help everyone try to fix the fire pit and get it lit. Bridget states that she did not give Tamala any Xanax, and she said, quote, I need my drugs, end quote. She told investigators she keeps her Xanax pills in a necklace that she never takes off. She said she sleeps in it and showers in it. The investigators didn't ask, um, but I would like to know. Is her necklace like waterproof? It's a little compartment that the pills stay in. Is it waterproof? Because, you know, it'd be very easy for water to get in that and melt those pills. So I'm, I'm just curious if it's waterproof. Um, they don't think to ask that. And so then Bridget goes on to say that she takes Adderall, Wellbutrin, and Prozac in addition to the Xanax. She keeps telling investigators that she's antisocial. And then Bridget said when she was asked about pictures that she did not take any pictures that night because she isn't, quote, a big picture person, end quote. She's so tactless maybe is the word when she says this um I, these women are just I, I, I don't even know what to say 
But anyway, she goes on to say, quote, I was the last one to see her kicking. Lucky me. End quote. She's talking about a poor woman who lost her life, who, whose children lost their mother, whose husband lost their wife, their, her parents lost a daughter, and she has the audacity to say that. She, she's a whole mess, and she's all over the place. Um, it's disrespectful, but I could do a whole episode on my feelings about these women. When, when Jean called her to come back to the house, Jean was in tears and hysterical, and she told her that someone was dead and she needed to come back. In her previous interview with Forsyth County, Bridget said that Tamala made her uncomfortable. Okay, this wasn't in the GBI interview. This was information I had found in Bridget's previous interview with the sheriff's office. So she said Tamala made her uncomfortable. So maybe that's what she was going to say during the GBI interview and thought better of it. But she said Tamala made her uncomfortable. Um, she was working on her laptop during the party, which in that one picture that's all over the internet, you can see she's the one over in the corner sitting there with a laptop in her lap. Um, and she said, Tamala came over, sat on her lap and grabbed her boob. When Forsyth County investigators asked her about the Xanax, Bridget started crying and insisting that she had never given any to anyone. The investigators then asked, well, what about Stacy? And then she said, oh yeah, I thought she was going to have a heart attack after Tamala died. And then she swears again that she never gave Tamala any. So during the interview with Forsyth County, Bridget's mom, oh my gosh, she was talking over Bridget. She was interrupting. She was trying to explain to everyone how why Bridget was acting the way she was acting. This is a grown woman and she don't need her mom to be, I don't know why her mom was allowed to be there anyway. Um, she shouldn't have been there during that interview. She should have been made to go into another room. But it was so hard to listen to because she, again, is talking over her and trying to explain everything Bridget says to the, you know, to the, the person interviewing her. And it's just complete chaos. And there's no reason her mom should be trying to explain anything for her. She's a grown woman. So some of my questions did Bridget give Tamala some Xanax? Or did she maybe put it in a drink or her gumbo that she fixed for her? You know, nobody knows. Um, maybe she did get uncomfortable. They said, you know, Tamala was very touchy-feely, very loving. She loved to hug people and things like that. And, you know, maybe she was trying to get, thinking that if she could hug Bridget and play around with her, that she could get her to kind of let her guard down a little bit. Maybe that is as innocent as it is. But <laughs> Bridget gives me a bad vibe. Um, the next person interviewed was Bridget's husband, Gary. Gary told investigators that he dropped Bridget off and walked her inside he didn't know the time. 
Gary said the reason he dropped Bridget off was because she was going to be drinking. And he said that he did not meet Tamala. Gary said that Bridget called him about 1230 to come get her. He arrived around 1.30 to pick her up, but did not go inside. Gary said that Bridget told him she wanted to come home because she hadn't had because she had, had enough interaction with people that day. The next interviews was Sarah. According to Sarah's statement to the GBI, Tamala got to the party around 8.30. She said Tamala introduced herself. They had not met before the night of Jean's party, and Sarah and Jean had been friends for years. Sarah described Tamala as friendly and energetic. She said she had saw the tequila bottle and that it was blue and it had pictures on it like a stamp showing like that it was from Mexico. Sarah said that she left at 10.34 p.m. and she had driven herself. She said the men were downstairs until it was time for birthday cake. So that's where I'm going to stop at for this part. Um, part four is going to go into Jose Barrera's interview. He's Jean's was Jean's boyfriend. Um, so it, it's pretty long and we'll go into that one in the next part, but I hope you all have a safe and wonderful weekend. Talk to you soon.